God does extraordinary things through ordinary people. So each week we sit down with a soda to hear a story from a different person from our church family. Welcome to the Sodas and Stories podcast, where we dive deep into the hurts, the healings, the tragedies, and the triumphs of all the different members of our church family. Each week we hear about someone different story and what God has done through their lives. Feel free to share and subscribe to what we're doing here. Thank you so much for being a part of this and welcome to the journey. Welcome back to Sodas and Stories. We're back and this is our first ever live pod. Let me hear it, folks. The millions of people are going nuts. Millions of upon millions of people are here and excited to be here for the podcast. So this morning we have uh, Levi Maherder. Levi is our very first non-Northwest Church of Christ regular member to be featured on the podcast. So Levi, we're glad to have you, man. Well, thank you. It's good to be here as an honorary Northwest Church of Christ yes. member. Oh, absolutely. So that's that's a pleasure. And I had no idea I was the first non-member guest. You are, yeah. And yeah. I didn't even know what the name of the podcast was called, and now I understand why there's a soda. And now you know why there's a soda sitting between your feet. Yeah, yes, I yes, that's now. right. So we always kick off with sodas to, to start off. So Levi, you have, what soda do you have? I have a Coca-Cola in a can that is much smaller than my hand. And why did you choose that instead of a Sonic drink? Um, well, I heard that Sonic was um, far away, and I didn't know that was an option. And quite frankly, I don't go to Sonic very often. I feel like did I don't want to bash any kind of thing that might be publicly Did it have broadcast. anything to do with the fact that the podcast producer forgot to go to Sonic to get you a drink? It actually has everything to do with the fact that okay. you forgot. All right. You know, honestly, I would never have known if you didn't tell me beforehand. That's it's true. kind of your own downfall. But <laughs> I didn't realize what time it we was. We do appreciate honesty. You know? <laughs> yes, that's important. that's important. So, Levi, you are a part of One Hope for Kids. That's right. And mm-hmm. you've been a part for how long, this organization? Well, um, that's... Uh, in different capacities, I've been involved for uh, over three years. Okay. So the, my first interaction with this organization was actually when I was in youth ministry. So Northside Church of Christ, the church that I used to work for, was one of the partner churches with the organization. And so that has a lot of different meanings depending on the church across the city. Um, but for us, what that meant at the time was... Northside was hosting classes, so we would offer training classes inside the building, um, and they also uh, kind of established a foster adoption ministry to uh, bring supplies into. And so I first met the organization when it had a different name. Uh, It used to be called Four Kids of South Texas. Uh, Same same directors, same executive directors, same board of directors. All the things are the same. We just rebranded. Yeah. So I first met them then when I was in youth ministry, setting up the space that they would use in the building. Okay. Um, and then fast forward a few years, I met who, uh, a woman who would become my wife who had just recently got licensed to foster children. Okay. Um, like when we were dating. And so she was licensed through four kids of South Texas. I know them, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so then I got to know them in a deeper capacity by going through the trainings Mm. and learning what it meant to care for foster kiddos. 
And you talked a little bit about uh, y'all met, and I think y'all did grad school together, or you went? Uh, no, you went, no, no. You went we through separate. Not. Okay, yeah, so separate grad school programs. We okay. do both have uh, master's degrees for counseling and therapy, um, but it happened at different, different, okay. different places. Okay, okay, that makes sense. So, uh, could you kind of talk about your role with One Hope for Kids? What do, what do you do there? Yeah, so I'm what they call a family home developer. Which is a really impressive title. It sounds like uh, you build houses. It does sound like that. It's not at all uh, what you do, though, right? It's not. No, nothing like okay. that. They didn't care anything about the work camp experience okay. whatsoever. <laughs> had nothing to do. The paint jobs weren't that great yeah, by they, teenagers. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they, they took a look at that resume, and they're like, do you have anything else that yeah. you could do? Um, so what I do is I work with families on the front end of this process. So if any individual is interested in becoming a foster home, then... I'm going to interact with them at some point. If they're interested in providing babysitting services for a family who has foster kids, I'm going to interact with them at some point. If they are wanting to provide respite services, so family needs, uh, they need a to break. go somewhere, they need a break. A break for the family, so okay. three days, you know, from three days to two weeks, someone needs to provide care for a child, mm. they're going to go through our department. Okay. Um, and so I am on the front end of things training, so I facilitate uh, half of the trainings, I have a partner, uh, and she facilitates the other half of the trainings, uh, which is kind of flip-flop based on the month or the week or what, what the needs are. Uh, so I facilitate the trainings. Uh, we help people get licensed. Uh, we meet with them. We talk through their questions and concerns. Uh, and then I also do stuff like this. So I cool. get to go into different churches around the city and tell them about who we are and what we do and, and how they can get involved. So adoptions had a big place in your heart and in your story in a lot of ways. And, and I know there's certain things you probably don't want to share, but the part that you sure. are comfortable sharing, could sure. you give a little bit of background as a, the role that adoption has played in your life? Sure. You know, I think that has been impactful in different times throughout my life um, in which God was leading me towards where I am now. Um, and it started with recognizing that a, adoption and fostering exists because my grandmother used to foster babies. So fresh out the hospital, mom couldn't take care of it or mom left it at the hospital. They would go stay with my grandma for a while until they found a home. And so she adopted two of those children, um, which are my aunt and uncle. Um, and so uh, growing up, my mom was exposed to that. I knew about it. It was something that kind of always stood in the back of my mind. I had friends. Uh, really close friends at church growing up who were adopted uh, by uh, the families from our church, uh, you know, spent a lot of time at their house, you know, really good friends, um, and it was just kind of an always present deal. Um, and I had felt God, you know, put on my heart a passion for working with kids, with families um, from a pretty early age. It's always been a part of what I do and what I've uh, devoted my time to. So even in uh, youth ministry when I was, you know, interning and going through school and working full-time in youth ministry. I was always involved uh, with kiddos, and sometimes those kiddos were adopted, um, and sometimes it was working with, uh, like, the Hector Garza Center here in town um, and spending time with those kids who didn't have a family uh, and providing a space for them to hang out, feel loved on by people from our church, eat a meal that was cooked by the ladies of the church, and men. Men can cook. I like to cook, by the way. Um, 
And you know, I had an opportunity to to go in there on occasion and, and study the Bible with some of them and, and really kind of hear their story and what had taken place in their life and the things that they had been through and you know, be encouraged by the hope that they had and they found in Jesus and, and wanting to carry that on with them when they left that that facility. Um, and then, you know, I think everything really culminated uh, when I met my wife um, because that was like the last piece of the puzzle, so to speak, in God preparing my heart uh, for what was next. You know, in, in 2016, I really felt that God was calling me into something deeper, that there was something there was something more. Not that my life wasn't good, not that I needed something to complete me or anything like that, but God had more for me, and I didn't know exactly what that was going to be. Um, but after I met my wife, and she had expressed her passion uh, for helping kids who are in a hard place, um, and knowing that there's a problem here in our city because of my exposure before meeting her, and exposure afterwards, and going through some of these training classes, uh, really feeling pulled, uh, not just because, you know, we were dating at the time uh, and I wanted to make her happy. It, was, it really was nothing about that. Um, but God really spoke to my heart that I have the capacity to love a child who has endured a lot of things. Um, because I have been loved, because I have been chosen, I can share that with kids who feel outcast, who feel forgotten, who feel abandoned, who feel... Um, like they don't matter. And so, you know, that's what we've decided to do in our marriage and in our home is provide a safe place for children who don't have a home. Whether their parents are working on a service plan and they're trying to get kids back into their house or whether or not parents are out of the picture, you know, my wife and I have took a stand and said we're going to be a place of safety, of hope, and of healing. Uh, and along that process, we have adopted two children, uh, so I know I said earlier at the beginning of the sermon that I am adopted um, legally. I, I got questions about that. They're like, he yeah. never answered that yeah, follow-up. Yeah, legally so. I'm not adopted. Uh, my parents might be offended uh, to know that I said that um, out loud in front of people on the Internet, now recorded. Um, I I'll, was, I'll send them a copy after this yeah, please, is over. Please so. do. I'd, I'd love the questions. Uh, I was speaking more in the sense that we're all adopted uh, and the truth that we see in Scripture um, but I, our children are adopted. We adopted them uh, back in 2018. And so uh, adoption, yes, that has been a big part of my life, not just uh, philosophically in the spiritual theology realm, but also in a literal way uh, throughout the story of God putting me in different places and exposing me to children who are hurting. And then when my wife and I met with similar passions, we were like set free to to provide a safe place for kids. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, looking at One Hope for Kids, there's a lot of training, a lot of equipping that takes place for uh, people in a variety of levels. Whether they want to be foster parents, if they want to foster to adopt, if they want to be the the respite care. So, um, and. and I know different states and areas differ on what the rules are, but they can't leave the state of Texas and take the foster child. Is that how it works? No, you can. Act, if you're going on vacation, you can take the child with okay. you. Okay. Okay. Uh, we we want children to feel like they're as much a part of a family as possible. Okay. Uh, it's called normalcy. It's yeah. a word that yeah. got made up. But 
Um, so we want them to feel like they're a part of the family. We want them to participate in activities with families. It just takes approval. You've got to turn in paperwork mm -hmm. and things like that. Gotcha. Um, and I don't know if you were trying to you know, lead into you know ways that you guys can get involved. Yeah, yeah, I was going to um, get there. Which yeah. I do have a slide for, but to make it easier on your team, I kind of put them in order. Okay. Um, one of the reasons... <laughs> so uh, they go to the next slide? They can go to yeah. the next slide. One of the reasons... Uh, that I wanted to talk a lot about uh, the early church this morning and the problem that they face in their culture and their community is that we have a very similar problem going on right now uh, in the state of Texas and in Bear County especially. Um, so I don't know if anybody's been watching the news recently, and I'm not up here to like bash another organization or anything like that, um, but for the past several years, foster care in Texas has been a very big problem. Uh, the Department of Family and Protective Services has been under fire uh, in court for their mishandling of kids. Um, and so they outsourced that and privatized that. Um, and so the uh, children's shelter here in San Antonio, their kind of parent organization was created. It's called Family Tapestry. And they were contracted to be the ones to find placement for kiddos. Um, and so as of this last week, uh, the children's shelter has been shut down. Family Tapestry has uh, relinquished the contract uh, due to the scrutiny that they've come under with um, a lot of really bad stories on what's been taking place in the shelters under their care. And so within the past year, Several uh, group homes or residential facilities um, have been shut down in the state of Texas. And so uh, they, we don't call them orphanages anymore, but that's what they are. They're, they're orphanages, and a lot of them have been shut down where over they, they, lay, they categorize it by beds. So well over 1,000 beds are just gone. Children are displaced uh, from their displacement, right? So they've been pulled out of their house. And they've been put in a, in a group home of some kind, uh, and now they're not, they can't even be there because that place is shut down. And so, you know, numbers up behind me, right, uh, people online may not be able to see, but I'll just say them out loud so that they can see them, yep. right? Um, so last year, right, just in 2020 alone, you know, 415,000 reported calls of child abuse or neglect in our state. Mm. The numbers are much bigger once you go nationwide, but in our state alone, 415,000 calls. So these, all these stats are just Texas. Just Texas. Yeah, and, just I, Texas. and, I, would, uh, and I would also offer, because this is 2020, a lot of r abuse or neglect calls that would take place would theoretically come from schools when mm -hmm. kids show up with bruises. And guess yeah. what? Kids weren't going to school weren't, in 2020. So that number is probably higher than what it's listed, yeah. sadly. No, I would definitely agree, because uh, school was a safe place. School was a mm -hmm. place where children had opportunity to get help, Yeah. but they couldn't, uh, and they were trapped at home, um, and so were adults, right? Mm -hmm. And we all know that 2020 was a tough year. Yeah. We see that in different varieties. It took its toll on everyone's physical health, but also everyone's mental health. Yeah. And so in communities where mental health was already unstable, mm -hmm. now they're trapped and quarantined at home, you're right. I, I would say these numbers yeah. uh, are, are actually lower than, than what they should. And so of those 415,000 calls or reports, 
only 75,000 were actually confirmed, right? 75,000 were confirmed actual cases of abuse and neglect of okay. children. And of those 75,000, 16,522 were deemed bad enough to be removed from the home. Right, so yes, in 75,000 instances, there was abuse and neglect taking place, but it was only bad enough in 16,000 to have those removed. So as of last year, um, there were just under 30,000 children in foster care, right? Just under 30,000 in foster care, and of those, 6,000 are just waiting to be adopted. There's no case open. Their parents aren't involved in the picture. They're never going back to biological family members. They're just waiting. And last year, we had 1,200 children who turned 18. And so they're adults. They're not part of the program they're anymore. They're not a part of the program anymore, and they're just left out on their own. Goodness. And so that's Texas. Um, yeah, that's not the country. It's just yeah, Texas. Yeah, that's Texas. But it doesn't get better when you just look at us. Right? Mm -hmm. So if we go to the next slide. Um, this is just for our area, so Bear County and the surrounding counties, right? This is, this is us. Um, and so for us, confirmed abuse and neglect cases were 8,603 right, mm -hmm. this last year. Um, 1,739 uh, children were removed because it was deemed bad enough. It was deemed bad enough. Uh, right now there is legislation being talked about in the state where they're actually uh, voting on loosening the standard for what qualifies as child abuse or neglect, making it more difficult uh, to uh -huh. remove a child from a home. Mm -hmm. And that is currently the response to, uh, wow, there's so many kids in care mm -hmm. with nowhere to go. Let's just kind of dial back yeah. on why we take them out. Um, and so currently right now in our area, there are 4,700 children in foster care. It's just in our area alone. And of those 4,000, there are 1,407 children just waiting to be adopted. Yeah. No family, no return, right? Um, and so about 35, 34%, right? Two in five children in Bear County are, are sent away from here because there's nowhere for them to go. Mm. Uh, so they get removed from the home and there's no place. There's not a foster home open. There's not an orphanage or a, yeah. a treatment center or a group home open. And so they have to be sent out of the area, mm -hmm. sometimes maybe to Houston or out to West Texas or up to Dallas area. But a lot of times just out of state, over to New Mexico, over to like Louisiana. Goodness. So, so we hear all these and I mean, I mean, super sad numbers that, and this is why I, I, I've talked to people who've gotten out of working in this line of work because it oftentimes can feel like this isn't a mountain that we are going to climb in our yeah. lifetime at least. And so, and it's just this really sad case and scenario. Now, I, we look out at, at our church right here and are there some people who might be willing to foster or maybe even foster and adopt? Maybe. That'd be great, right? But that's also unrealistic. I, and there's some who have just, they're at a point in their life when, you know, hey, we've raised kids, they've, they've left the house, we've got grandkids, and we're just not at a point where we can take care of, a, uh, of them. Uh, maybe there's a family who, you know, hey, we've got 
a ton of kids. I know personally, like I, I don't, I've lost count of how many kids I have in my own house. I think my wife gave birth to a child since we started the podcast. I mean, it's, wow, that's impressive. I, yeah, I mean, they just keep coming out, right? And so, for for those of us who might say like we're not at a place in life where we can adopt, or we're not at a place where we can foster, what can we do to help? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So our organization, One Hope for Kids, was started by a former missionary. He's been a pastor in Texas for years and years and years, got involved in the child welfare system, took a look around at the state of affairs while he was working for other agencies. Some were faith-based, some were not, and said, where's the church? Where's the church? Uh, You have all of these, you know, government programs set up uh, to respond to the need, but where's the church? And so in 2015, he walked away from his job. And he started talking to some other people about how do we provide opportunities for the church to respond to the need in our community, right? And something that kind of gets lumped in with uh, the government most of the time. Like, ah, the government's going to handle that, and we can't get involved in the government. Uh, And so for the year of 2015, he developed the policies, he developed the procedures, and he created another uh, foster care agency at the time, it was called Four Kids of South Texas. Now it's called One Hope for Kids. Uh, designed to be centered on Jesus and to partner with churches so that we can help meet the need in our community. And so there are a number of ways that churches could get involved. Right? And so I'd like to think of it most like a hamburger. Maybe because I'm kind of hungry. So we're getting close. We're getting close to lunch time. Stories, yeah. You know, you might want to think about that <laughs> in the future. But, I don't know how much budget money I have, but we'll okay, see what okay, we can yeah, do. Yeah, that's fair. So I like to think of it as a burger, right? If you go and you get a cheeseburger, there are certain things that you expect to be on that burger. Right? You don't walk into, uh, you know, Chester's or whatever your burger place of choice is, order a cheeseburger, and then bite into a bun with nothing in it. That would be, you would take that back. You would send that back. And so, first and foremost, right, the greatest need, the, the greatest way to get involved is to be a foster home, right? That's like the meat of the burger, right? Um, the best way for children uh, to be loved and develop the way that God intended them to is to be a part of a family, is to be a part of a family. And they can't do that if they're not in a family, right? A group home, residential facility, those are great band-aids, but they're not helping the children really grow and develop. And so we need more foster homes, people willing to keep children safe in that in-between time. But, as you mentioned, that's a big call on your life, and that comes with a lot, right? Uh, I mean, in the end of the passage that we read this morning, you know, surely we will inherit the kingdom of God with Jesus. Uh, if we suffer with Jesus, we will also be glorified with Jesus. There's, it's difficult. Right? Foster care, the process in and of itself is hard. Uh, sometimes kids from a hard place have a really hard time uh, interacting, and so that's, that's hard. And I realize that you know, that might be the call that God put on my, on my heart, uh, and he might be asking me to share that with everybody else. Um, but I also realize that not everybody else is going to respond to that call in the same way. And so you also need some cheese on a cheeseburger. Right? Burgers are great. Cheeseburgers are even better. I'm sorry if you're lactose intolerant. I mean no disrespect. So a great need for foster families is for babysitting and respite providers. 
right? So you may think, like, why is babysitting such a big deal? Well, if you, let's just say hypothetically that you and your wife had a foster child in the home, um, and you guys wanted to go out on a date night, who is going to take care of the foster kid? Right? There's a lot of training that you guys have to go through in order to provide care. And so the state requires that people who are watching the child receive different levels of care depending on how long they're going to watch the child. So if you need somebody to babysit, in order for them to legally be able to babysit a foster child, there is a level of certification that they have to have. So I can't just voluntell someone to watch my child? Right. And I know it's really easy when you're in the church because you have a lot of really good, loving people here. That yeah, would, the, the, would... the people in that back corner, y'all are off the hook. Congratulations. I can't voluntell right. y'all. Um, so you can't just be like, yo, watch my kids. Yeah. Okay. They have to go through uh, a certain level of certification to be okay. able to do that. Um, you know, other times, you know, couples just need a chance to be away, right? Yeah. Like they just yeah. need some time. Husband and wife time, whether that be a date night or whether that be like, you know, some kind of couples retreat weekend. Again, who's going to watch the child, right? We don't want to just, oh, we have this thing that we want to do for ourselves, so we're going to send you back for a while, and then maybe if somebody else picks you up, right? We want them to be feel a part of a loving home. And so people to provide longer-term care than just babysitting or respite care, you have to be certified to do that as well. And so that's something that we do. Right? We, we don't just certify and license people to become foster parents. We also certify and license people to become respite providers or babysitting uh, because that is a really big need for foster families. They just need someone to watch their children. And then I'm seeing stuff about uh, diaper delivery, tutoring, transportation, bringing food. Um, it sounds like a fried egg on a burger to me. True. You could, yeah, fried egg, maybe some lettuce, some tomatoes. I'm not right. a veggie guy, so. That's all right. Yeah. You know, yeah. The okay. Lord will forgive you. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I can, I can tell you from experience, one of the most impactful things that my wife and I experienced um, so far in our journey through foster care is encouragement. There was a family that all they did was send us notes and pray for us, and they didn't babysit the children. They didn't, you know, it may seem like, oh, wow, they could have got a lot more involved. Their support through the hard times was phenomenal. I know without a doubt that at any point, either one of us, my wife or I, could reach out to them and say, we need prayer for this. And they weren't going to judge us. They weren't going to be like, why don't you try harder? They weren't going to just offer us some suggestions. They were going to pray. Right? Sometimes a, a card would show up with a gift card in it in the mail, be like, we love you guys. Thank you so much for you know, being Jesus to these kids. And then, boom, right? Especially in those times where I'm sure we've all been there. Uh, haven't got paid yet. I need to buy groceries. God's provision shows up in the mail, right? And it's through people like that that really help sustain foster families in the good and the bad times, right? And so we have uh, a ministry set up where we can just provide names of people that need support and encouragement and prayer and then trust God's people to love on them the way that uh, God's people do. We also deliver diapers. Um, so let's say yet there's a brand-new foster home. They get a tiny little baby, and there's one thing we know about babies. They like to eat and poop, uh, maybe poop more than eat. And so they got to change a lot of diapers, and diapers get expensive. Right? Um, and so we try to get them the diapers that they need. 
Right? This happens on a regular basis. We have a giant storage unit full of diapers. It has a very interesting smell. My son and I got to experience it. It's not dirty diapers. It's just diapers. They just have a smell. It's diaper, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, uh, and, you know, my son and I got to pass those diapers out to volunteers who come to go into the home and share love with people by giving them the diapers, praying for them in their, you know, everyday life. Would your son be willing to come up here? Hey, Malachi, you want to come up here? You want to come up here with your dad and me? Come around, I'll ask you a question too, okay? Here comes the real truth. Here yeah, we I know. We're going to have some, yeah. What do you really think of your dad? So, um, before we are, we're out of time. We're, we're actually past time. So I know a particular children's minister who will end my life if we go just a whole, whole lot longer. So um, I wanted to ask this guy right here. Hey, Malachi, um, does how long this guy's beard is, does that make him a better or worse dad? I'm not sure. You're not sure. Okay. Just think about it. We'll come back to you on it. Better. So, yeah, it's supposed to be better. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, he'll give you a sip of Coke if you, uh, if you play the right card. <laughs> so, um, so, how long have you been living with this guy? Mm, I'm not sure. You're not sure? About how long has it been? It's been about three years. Three years. Okay. So, what is your favorite thing about living with mom and dad here? I don't know. You don't know? Do they love you? Yes. Yes? How much? Sure. You're not sure? Y'all can talk about that over dinner. Uh, what's your favorite food? Pizza. Pizza. So they will take you to a pizza place to show you how much for lunch today, mm-hmm. right? Right? Okay, okay. Okay. Yeah, good idea. Good call. Wow, thanks, Casey. I really yeah. appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm here for. You're helping so. out a lot. <laughs> hey, so <laughs> hey, uh, with that being said, there's uh, he's got, Levi has a table that is out here, and he is happy to talk. Uh, with anybody who wants to get more information as far as providing supplies, uh, more information about how you can plug in and help, whether it be providing things, maybe going looking into the possibility of becoming a foster parent or respite care, something along those lines. But um, can we give a big round of applause to this guy and to his family for, for joining us this morning? They've been awesome. Uh, let, me, let me pray over him, and then uh, we'll dismiss, and, and if you guys have further questions, you'll be able to, to ask those during that time, all right? Let me pray. Lord, thank you so much for giving us uh, a time to uh, look at a real hurt that's going on in our world and in, even in our local community. Thank you for uh, Levi and people like him and, and his, his wife and his, and his children and and for what they are doing to help rectify this problem. God, thank you for the gift of adoption. That means so much to all of us who call you our Father. Thank you for uh, what you mean to us, what the cross and what your Son and what your Spirit continue to do in our lives here and now. Uh, Strengthen and empower and encourage and comfort, Levi. Help us as a church to provide an encouragement uh, in a community that, that only gives love and hope to people in his line of work and for the people in a part of this system. Uh, may you give us wisdom and guidance as we look to find ways to love and uh, nurture some children who feel so lost and forgotten. God, provide them comfort and show them the way to your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Signing off. Thank you, guys. You all have a blessed week. Okay, a huge thank you to Levi Maherder for coming in 
leading our Sunday class, uh, preaching for us that Sunday. Really great guy with an incredible story. Love what he's done with One Hope for Kids. If you want to check out their website, it is number one, onehopeforkids.org. You can check them out. They do some amazing things for the foster community of children and for families and parents. They are just trying to help in the best ways that they know how. Levi has an incredible journey. We've actually talked about having him back for a part two. So stay tuned. Hopefully we'll have another person or two come back in the coming weeks. So stay tuned and y'all have a blessed week. Look how they shine for.